We are officially late, so come on in and grab a chair. Seven. <laughs> it's seven after nine, maybe. <laughs> All right. Still trickling in, but... <coughs> right. All right, well, let's get started. We're going to open up with prayer, and then we're going to jump right in. The devotees are the ones that are here this morning, so let's open up in prayer. Sovereign Lord, we come before you this morning. We give you praise and glory because you are worthy of our praise and glory. Lord, we thank you for your work in our lives. We thank you for the good things that you have prepared for us. Lord, give us the wisdom and the, the sight, your eyes, to walk in them. Lord, I pray that we would uh, bear your name in all that we do and say and in every aspect of our lives. Lord, may we give you glory and honor. Do be with those that are suffering around the world because they have honored your name. Lord, I pray that you would uh, minister through them. Would you minister to them? Hold them up. Lord, let them know that they are remembered. Give them strength to endure and give them your words in their mouths to be effective and bold witnesses for you. May we give you all praise and glory this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are on week 13 of this 17-week study. I think this will be my last week actually in here because I think I'm down in the kids' rooms starting next week. So I've really enjoyed it up to this point. So this is kind of my wrap-up session for, for me, anyway. Um, so this morning... we are going to be in Colossians 3. We're at the end of Colossians... And we're picking up on the uh, first verse of Colossians 4. And I lost my screen. There it is. Okay. So just as overview, Colossians was written primarily to Christians living in the city of Colossae. It was written to address some of the false teachings that the Gnostics were uh, spouting. And again, the Gnostics valued spiritual above fleshly. They said it didn't really matter what you did in the flesh. It didn't really matter how you behaved in your, in your body. What mattered was your spirit. And so as long as you were taking care of the spiritual needs, everything else was okay. And so in our passage today, we're going to see that Paul is refuting that and saying, that's not, that's not right. I'm getting a lot of, it's, it's really hot up here. I don't know if that's off the monitors or that's better. Thanks. Um, we've talked about using different principles of hermeneutics, using different Bible study methods and um, techniques. And so what's one of the things that's important for us at the end of chapter 3, he's wrapping up uh, this whole concept. And so I wanted to review all of chapter 3 this morning and just talk about where, where when he ends up. And for those of you that don't know, we're, we're talking about husbands and wives, we're talking about um, parents and children, and we're talking about employers and employees this morning. So it's really important to have a context of where Paul is coming from. So he talks, starts off chapter 3 talking about seeking the things of God, having a heavenly mindset, considering ourselves dead to sin and to put to death our old nature and the evidences thereof, the, the debauchery, the immorality, to putting on our new nature. And we talked about that, ah, uh, must have been about a month ago. And then uh, we kind of switched a few things around. And then last week we talked about verses 12 to 17, which was starting off with considering who we are from God's perspective. And he calls us holy, chosen, beloved. And so having this mindset, thinking correctly, we talked about right thinking leads to right doing. And we had the blocks up here and we were trying to you can't build a tower without first having a solid foundation, and that solid foundation was thinking correctly, thinking like God would have us to think. And then we talked about putting on 
um, godly character and all the attributes of it, kindness and meekness and gentleness and love um, and forgiveness. Um, we talked about living an abundant life. At the end of chapter, well, at the end of those verses, he talks about whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do everything to the glory of God, and then talked about thankfulness, giving thanks to God the Father. And that's what leads us then into um, where we're going to go today. But also as part of review, I want to take a few minutes and go over some of the different Bible study techniques that we have uh, covered in the last 12 weeks, just to kind of get us thinking about these things. I don't know if you guys are practicing these day to day or not, but it's just kind of good to early on a Sunday morning get our minds thinking. So we've talked about word studies, and we've talked about using a concordance and expositories. And a, a word study or a concordance would be something that you would look up uh, sometimes in the back of your Bible. It'll have a word, and you can look and see where, all that, where that word is found throughout all the various different scriptures. Expositories will take that and will expound upon it. And let, We talked about having Hebrew and Greek lexicons, being able to, to dig out what the original meaning of the word was. We talked about outlining passages and diagramming passages and kind of uh, identifying, maybe drawing pictures and uh, connecting different components in a passage, um, whether you're using stick figures or, you know, whatever. Um, we talked about using different translations and, and going through using multiple translations. And a couple weeks ago, a month ago, remember we had... I don't know, we had about six or seven different translations of that passage, and we read all these various different ones, and there were different pieces that stood out. We also talked about um, when we were reading those, we read them out loud, and we emphasized different words as we read through it. You remember that? And uh, kind of brings a freshness to the passage as you're going through it. We've talked about other techniques of underlining and highlighting key words, so as you're reading through the Scripture, you're looking for you're not just reading passively, you're reading actively. You're looking for something. So if you st set out uh, deciding, hey, I'm going to look for instances where there are instructions specifically to me, um, you know, so key words that might jump out at you. Um, talked about praying and how it's important for us to, before we sit down and study the Bible, to if we're going to do study, that we sit down and say, you know, Holy Spirit, I need you to guide me in your truth. And don't let me be persuaded by man's teaching, but guide me. Um, talked about memorizing and meditating and how one begets the other. You can't meditate on what you haven't memorized, so you, you kind of engraft this into your life. And how as you mull that over throughout the day or throughout the days, it starts to transform the way that you think. And I have great stories on that for some other time. Um, you talked about knowing the context of the passage and that there are historical contexts and there are literary contexts. And we don't just take a passage of Scripture and read it as if it were today written in today's time period. Some Scripture can apply that way, absolutely. But we have to understand to whom this was written what, were the, what was the context in which it was written? Um, otherwise, we can be very, it's very easy for us to grab a particular Bible verse and hang on to it, and it really wasn't intended for us or in our context. So it's important for us to know the historical and literary context. We read poetry as poetry, history as history, prophecy as prophecy, etc. Last week, we talked about um, the, the uh, TSK the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. We'd also previously talked about using some references. Um, how many of you have heard the, the Thompson Chain Reference Bible? Kind of a, a famous one. So where we use Scripture to interpret Scripture and uh, looking things up throughout Scripture to see how things are knit together. And then finally, another study technique we've talked about is asking questions. And just having a repertoire of questions that as you're reading the Scripture, you kind of have these in the back of your mind. Okay, why is this being written? So we had some of the questions, who, what, when, where, why. We have, uh, there was another set of questions in there that was the, the senses, I think is one, to, one that it was. Um, last week we had a different set of questions. You know, what was this um, 
what is God, what is being revealed about God in this particular passage? Um, what is this saying to me? What are God's responsibilities according to this passage? What are my responsibilities, etc.? So, with all of that in mind, today the Bible study technique we are going to use is we do it all. Okay, so we are going to, and that's why your packet is so thick. Sorry. I was trying to put some resources in there so we wouldn't have to spend all morning shuffling through Scripture and trying to find different things in your phones or in your tablets or whatever. Um, as we break up into groups, you're welcome to do that, and I would encourage you to do that. But if not, I wanted you to have something tangible that you could, could work from. So, before we get going, we're going to read um, our passage today. All of, this, all of these techniques that we've talked about are largely things that we can do with interactive um, material, except for the pray. And so before we get going this morning, I want us to take a minute, and we're just going to pray again. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and give us understanding as we delve into this particular topic. I, uh, when I found out what I was teaching about this morning, I, I warned my wife I was going to come up here and say, I've been waiting 26 years to pe preach from this passage. It's the uh, wives submit passage. Forget the rest of it. Um, and the children obey. Now, those are the two. So, but uh, just, just kidding. <clears throat> so I think it's important as we delve into this that we really ask the Holy Spirit to lead us in his, in his wisdom and understanding. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we do just... We come before you and we acknowledge that, Lord, we lack what we need in order to interpret your word. But we also acknowledge, Lord, that you would have us to know your thoughts. And we would uh, ask that you would come and, and uh, be with us this morning. That you would open our eyes to see the wondrous truths that you have in your word. Lord, help us to put aside any preconceived ideas and to hear from you. I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us in a new, fresh, and exciting way and that we would glorify you in all we do and say. In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray, amen. All right, so let's read Colossians 3, wrapping up this particular passage out of Colossians. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back and the wrong he has, for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. All right, so... Last week, we talked about right thinking leads to right living. Today, we're talking about right living being properly demonstrated in our closest relationships. So a lot of times, it's very easy, at least it is for me, to put on a face and to, I can fool, you know, you can fool some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time, but not all the people all the time. And I think there should be an addendum. And your family, none of the time, Right. Because, uh, you know, you can put on a facade and you can pretend to be one way for an hour every Sunday or a couple hours, and I can be all good and life is great. Um, but my family knows the truth about what's going on inside, right? They know dad has failings. They know where dad is, is two-faced or hypocritical. And that's one of the purposes of children, right, is to make sure that everybody else knows that too. Um, so <laughs> it's very difficult to live out your life with these other relationships 
if you're not sincere. And so right living is properly demonstrated with our closest relationships. And then we cannot rightly interact with others until we first rightly interact with God. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to break up into groups. And I know that there have, uh, over the last several weeks, some of the groups have gotten larger and some of the groups have gotten smaller. I would really encourage you this morning to have group size of six to eight. Um, we're going to spend a lot of time, I'm almost done talking really for the rest of the morning. We're going to spend a lot of time in a couple of different segments this morning, and it's going to be really helpful if you have more than just two people in your group. So uh, the questions we're going to answer first off here, as we go through this passage, I'm only going to give us about 10 minutes to go through this one, and there's six questions here, so you can see we don't have a lot of time. So as you divide up into your group, look for a couple questions that are meaningful to you. You don't have to answer them all. And then when we're done, if we have some time, we're going to kind of share with one another. But don't feel like we need to, each group needs to tackle all six of these questions. If you're a group of a bunch of singles, um, maybe one and two, or at least one, I don't know, you can, you can figure it out. So let's take ten minutes and see how far we can get into these six questions.
All right. I don't think anybody's done. Did anybody get past number one? How many did not get? How many of you are still on number one? <laughs> I kept hearing this group over here. They kept the word submit kept coming up. They may need some, might need some counseling. So, um, so what were some of what were some of your thoughts? Um, what are some of the examples of negative connotations of the word submit? Does does well? First, I think that may be a uh, a leading question. Does the word submit? have negative, do you think it has negative connotations in our society? So I got one person over here saying, yeah, see some other heads bobbing around. So why does that have, why does that carry negative connotations? Anybody have any thoughts? You can just yell it out. I'll repeat it up here if I can hear you. You're weak, you're less than, yep. Okay, so out of the women's liberation movement, there should not be, uh, there shouldn't be this concept of submission. So, how many presidents does the United States have? We have one president, right? And how many CEOs does your your organization have? You you typically have one CEO. We at at the top levels, you have one. There has to be somebody on whom the the shoulder. The, the burden of whatever it is, the organization or whatever, rests. And then underneath of that, it, uh, it parses out. The word submit is actually a military term in the Greek, and it really means to, to be ranked underneath of and to carry, carry out the orders, essentially. You're, you have this, it's an orderly, and it's, it's coming up in the next pages, um, but it's an orderly, uh, linkage of of uh, responsibility is so it's yeah I agree that out of the women's liberation movement huge blowback on submit okay so I don't know if you can hear in the back but. Men are more than happy to give up responsibility if somebody else is willing to take it, essentially. And so, yeah, go ahead, Larry. Absolutely. So, I, for those of you over here, um, submit has been used uh, to support abusive type situations where a husband will say, you will submit uh, and be in an ungodly type of an environment. How about, let's skip two and three, let's get down into children. What are some ways parents can embitter and discourage their children? How about some of the kids? What are some ways that your my kids, I don't want you to answer this. So what are some ways that, that mom or dad, maybe hypothetically you've heard from a friend of a friend, that you could be discouraged or embittered? It doesn't have to be the kids. They're really quiet. Anybody over here? Go ahead. Okay. So failing to lead properly and also, uh, what was your first one? I can only remember. Being too harsh. I think also, I have a number of kids, and the difference between the way that the first and second and third born were treated down to the way that the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth have been treated, it could, I could see that it would embitter the older ones when they see what the younger ones 
are able to get away with, um, especially the youngest one. Um, and so, you know, that's something that I need to be aware of is that the way I interact with this child may not be embittering him, but it may be embittering other kids who are taking up offenses, which is another topic. But it could, you got to, it's, it's a fine line. And I'm, how many of you know that when you get ready to teach a particular passage, the Lord gives you opportunities that week to really learn what that passage means? So this week we're talking about husbands and wives. I'm not going to say anything more, um, although we're good. Um, but it wasn't always good this week, so we, we worked through some stuff. Uh, so anyway, there are, yeah, there are innumerable ways that Satan presents to us to embitter our children. How about on the positive side of that, five and six, what are some ways that we can partner with Jesus to enable our children to, to better walk with the Lord? Can you guys in the back here when everybody else answers? I know you got that fan blowing right by your ear. Anybody want to answer? If so, speak up really loudly. Go ahead. So leading by example and having your priorities correct. Is there somebody over here? Yeah. Yeah. So walking in humility, being transparent. Um, my father was not like this, but I've known a number of people who would never admit mistakes to their kids because they, would <clears throat> they had this feeling that it would make their kids look down on them when it's quite, quite evidently the opposite. Go ahead, Rick. Being in, in church, being part of the body, I think is the, the key part of that. Absolutely. All right. So, next thing we're going to do, we're going to stay in our groups. We're going to delve into the rest of the worksheet, except for the one that looks like this. This is not for you to do right here. This is for you to take home and do with your kids at the dinner table or with your wife. Um, <clears throat> I don't, and I had Patty Ann print it front and back so that I could tell if I heard people doing this. Okay. So, <clears throat> that was strategic. So, um, don't, be, don't be doing the crossword until later tonight. But uh, what we want to do is, I have multiple translations up here. You also have some additional translations, hopefully in your groups. There are related passages that we're going to dig through here. So, Colossians 3 is tightly related with Ephesians. And we're going to look at those two different passages. Also has some... Uh, some other aspects of it in Peter. Um, I've identified, as you look at the ESV translation on this sheet, there are some words that are underlined. Those are underlined essentially to tell you that a couple pages back on uh, the Vine's expository terms, those terms are identified. There are additional terms that you may want to pull out. So as you're reading through this, circle words, highlight words, underline words, that you think are key words, and maybe you want to go and look them up or assign somebody in your group who is technically literate, be able to, to open up their blue letter Bible or whatever and dig out uh, the Greek meaning of this particular word or that particular word. 
You'll also see there's a diagram Kickstarter. So that's for this page here with the circles on it. What I'd like for you to do on that is draw relationships between these entities and then also label those relationships. So to kind of get you going, I have husband and a line pointing down to wife, and it says husband loves the wife, and the wife submits to the husband, but then there's this other dotted line that goes up to Christ, and it's she submits as is fitting to the Lord. So it might be important for us to know what that word fitting means because that's telling the wife how she's supposed to submit. Is she supposed to submit in all things? Is she supposed to submit in an abusive relationship? Um, The answer to those is basically what it says about as is fitting to the Lord. So diagram some stuff on there. Look up some additional words. And then uh, on the last page there, there are some questions to consider as we're reading these passages. And then also some questions for application, which I... We're going to take the rest of the time this morning. We're going to take about 20 minutes to go through this. And you're not going to have enough time to get through it all. This is such a rich passage. But I really wanted us to be able to to dive into this and to actually practice using some of these concepts that we've been talking about for the last three months. So with that, I'm going to be roving around. If you have questions or or thoughts or whatever, just grab me. And I'll do my best to, to stall. And we'll go from there.
All right, so we're going to start wrapping it up here. <laughs> okay, so show of hands, how many of you that went by really fast? And that was not enough time. Okay, how many of you that dragged on forever? <laughs> I'm so glad it's done. It's okay if, if my kids answer that way, it's all right. So, okay, so clearly there's, I, I was kind of torn on how much we wanted to do this because I really wanted us to get into and really go through and exegete some of the, the nuggets of truth out of this scripture because there's so much there and it applies to all of us. Every one of us is either a husband or a wife or a child or a parent or an employer or an employee. I mean, some of us can be more than one of those, but all of us are at least a children, a child. So, um, so this applies to all of us in various different ways. It's interesting as you look through and as you read through the passage that for all of these relationships... There is one commonality, and it, it kind of iterates it over and over, especially as you read through some of the other linked passages. We see that in all of these relationships, it's really our example is Christ. So the example for the way the wife is to submit to her husband, as is fitting to the Lord. And if you looked up and see what the Greek word there really means. Um, for the husband to love the wife, what does that mean, especially in the Peter passage? What does, that, um, what does that look like? And it's, it's about dying to himself and, and laying down his life for his, for his wife. For parents and children, and for children with their parents, both of those are to, uh, to be honoring and glorifying to God, and, and he is our example. Uh, I can't remember where the other passage is, but it talks where it's talking about uh, Christ obeying his his heavenly father and, and uh, submitting to his design for employers and their employees again having this example of for uh, for both of them knowing that there is a heavenly master so both for the employer he has his own heavenly master and then the employee is to serve his master or his employer as if serving the lord and doing it unto the lord not just as uh, a man pleaser with eye service, but do it heartily, which means abundantly, which means with all your energy. So, great passage, um, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. Did anybody even make it to the uh, the circles? Anybody get started on the diagramming? So that was I, I had a lot of fun. I started putting doing my own on that, and uh, it really kind of helps. As you, as you look at different passages and you're, you're dealing with the same entities, the same objects, and as you're starting to relate things together and then you're writing down qualities, it really can help stitch a concept together that's, uh, that's bigger than just a particular passage here or there. You can kind of see the, the totality of what God is communicating in regards to our relationships. So... Um, on the questions for application... Number two on there says write down three to four small concrete goals, I say micro goals, that you can celebrate as you work toward number one. Number one is, uh, I cannot give what I do not possess. How am I or how can I improve my intentional relationship with God? And so it's very easy for us to say, well, I need to read my Bible more or I need to spend more time in prayer. And so then that goal sits there and it never gets accomplished, right? So the, the idea with number two is, what are some, some attainable, finite goals that we could put in place that we could actually celebrate as we work toward number one? So if number one is to read your Bible more, a concrete goal might be I will go um, a full week with reading um, at least something out of the Scriptures every day for a whole week. And after that, I'll celebrate by doing something, going out and getting some, a Big Mac to feed my 
feed my flesh now that I've been feeding my spirit. Um, maybe you want to uh, do, you know, if, if your goal is, is to read the scripture more, if you have a small goal of reading every day for a week, maybe you want to have another goal that I'm going to read through the four gospels in the next, uh, before, before Christmas or whatever. Uh, so you can set smaller attainable goals and then celebrate them along the way as opposed to having this big goal that says I need to read the scripture more often or I need to spend more time in prayer. How do you accomplish that? So having small goals that you can accomplish to build your way to a larger goal. That was kind of the goal on that. So uh, with that in mind, we are overdue and we need to go down and get our kids. So let's open in prayer or close in prayer. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to learn about you and to learn your heart. Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk in wisdom and to glorify you as our example. Lord, may our conduct with one another May our conduct with our, our closest uh, relationships, may they honor you, may they uh, glorify you, and Lord, may uh, our lives reflect you in all that we do and in all that we say. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory, amen. Three.